Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. You're listening to Peak to Pit. I'm Allie Peak alongside TJ Pittinger. Week 10, week 9. Where are we in this college football season? Right in the middle, I guess. And uh, the Gators come back this week. So TJ, I'm happy. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely living up to the name of the show last week. Definitely Florida State fans were at the peak and now smacked back down to the pit. But uh, for the last two weeks, you guys have been in the pit as the COVID boys and now getting to return. So we're staying true to the brand for sure. These last few weeks. I think the only thing we know about the 2020 college football season is that we basically know nothing. We can predict nothing outside of the fact that Clemson's really good. Alabama's really good. And I guess we can throw Ohio state up there is really good. But outside of that, I feel like every single week, something crazy could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we'll get into it, but the the Penn State Indiana game from last week was insane. The fact that you know Florida lost two weeks of the season back to back. The fact that Florida State upset a top five team. The fact that they go out and, and then got absolutely shock every shock everybody the wrong way the week after. I mean, it's just like every single week there is yeah. just incredibly crazy stuff. I mean, Syracuse was down twenty seven twenty one against. Uh, Clemson. against Clemson this week, you know, and so kind of kept it close. Then Clemson pulled away in the second half and late. Um, but yeah, like you said, outside of the fact that, you know, you have a definite top three teams or a probable top three teams with Ohio state, there's really not a lot else outside of that, that, that you can count on. Um, Florida State got smacked back down to reality. Did you watch that game? I did. I was flipping back and forth, but I did watch a lot of it. And uh, I mean, I feel like Florida State has multiple personality disorder or something. I don't understand how you can upset a top five team, look good doing it, truly, and then have the performance that you had against Louisville. And I think, you know, at the beginning of the season, you and I were both kind of decently high on Louisville. We thought they were pretty good. And then the first couple of weeks of the season, they maybe, uh, you know, my my opinion of them dropped a few rungs, but I really I really did think that Florida State would beat them last week, and if they didn't beat them, I thought at the very least it was going to be a close game. Um, I would I honestly was incredibly surprised at what we saw. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think a lot of people were, right? So we both picked um, Florida I'm, State. Uh, like, Florida uh, State screws me if I pick them to win. They screw me if I pick them to lose. Like, I, I don't I even. You pick us to lose the rest of the way out. Perfect. Um, we, uh, yeah, only a five point favorite. We talked about that. Like on a neutral field, you're, you're looking at Vegas calling that a one and a half to two point spread. Um, so essentially a coin flip. We both picked Vegas Florida doesn't State usually get it that wrong either. Like outside of us getting it totally wrong, uh, Vegas doesn't generally get things that wrong. Yeah, not at all. Louisville was better than their one and four record. They they played Miami. You know their offense played Miami really tough. You know and scored thirty four points. Their defense was really really bad against Miami, and and Miami's offense is good too. Uh, they played Virginia Tech, another ranked team, close, and so they they had a lot of close losses. Like they just couldn't find a way to finish. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know Florida State in their losses has just gotten blown out, right? So right. kind of the the difference there, but. Um, yeah, I think the biggest difference is how how you know to answer your question or it wasn't really a question but kind of rhetorical but I'll make it a question. The biggest difference between Florida State ups, being able to upset North Carolina and Florida State getting trounced by Louisville was the style of play between the two teams. Sam Howell can extend some plays with his legs, but he for the most part is going to sit back in the pocket and pick you apart with his arm nickel and dime you down the field. They had a lot of, they, we stopped uh, North Carolina twice on fourth downs um, where, you know, they had driven the length of the field, but couldn't finish off the drive. And Louisville relies so, so heavily on the big play. And so uh, they were able to get the big play off. It wasn't a lot of when, when you're having a nickel and dime a team down the field, you've got to be perfect the whole time, right? Like you can't have mistakes. If you, get sacked one time or you drop one pass on third down. I mean, the drive's over and Florida State gets the ball back. And Louisville just didn't really work like that. Like, it was kind of an all-or-nothing thing every time they got the ball. They were running all over us. Mobile quarterbacks are are typically pretty tough for Florida State to defend against. Um, and the, the defense was just absolutely terrible. Louisville scored every possession that they had the first half minus the last – drive of the half where they got the ball with 20 seconds left and, and had to kick a really, really long field goal and, and miss that. So um, outside of that, if, if they had gotten the ball with 45 seconds left, they probably have scored there too. Um, the defense was terrible. The offense kind of held up uh, to, well, not kind of held up. The offense definitely looked better um, with a, a drive to start the game and then driving a couple of times, but not being able to finish drives. Florida State missed a field goal, um, had a um, a tipped interception, got stopped on a fourth and one from the goal line, dropped another touchdown late. I mean, Florida State's offense could have put up, I don't know, two more touchdowns, two more touchdowns and a field goal and made this respectable, but there was no chance that they were, you know, going to ever stop Louisville's defense. And so the offense wasn't good. Uh, they were better than the defense, clearly, who never stopped anybody all day. Um, but the offense was close, I thought, to getting 28, 30 points, but that was not even going to be close enough to 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 win this game. Jordan Travis wasn't as sharp, um, had to throw the ball 32 times, which is not the recipe for success. But when you give up touchdowns on – you know, your first four drives and the other team takes a 28 to seven lead. It doesn't leave you a lot of error to, to run the ball. Florida state's not built to come back. Um, right. They're built to get out to an early lead or stay close to the team and run the clock and hold on for dear life. 
Um, they're not built to, um, they're not built to come back in a situation like that. And they couldn't, right. Once they had to start throwing the ball more, it became very predictable and they're playing without their best wide receiver tomorrow and Terry. And what's the prognosis on him? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I'll look it up as we're talking. I think that, you know, they're hopeful that they can get him back. I don't know if it'll be uh, kind of an after the bye week thing or what the situation is. Um, but he had surgery last week, two weeks ago. Um, but I think they're hopeful that they can get him back after the bye week, which will be the pick game. Right. Well, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think for Florida state, the key at this point is if everybody's still bought in, you know, we talked about this in the beginning of the season. I feel like we've talked about it a lot, but that's, that's where you have a risk with a team that's in a rebuilding process is that they can trust the process, even if there are setbacks like the Louisville game was. And I would definitely consider that a setback. If you barely lost at the end, I don't, I think, I think that's very different than what it was that we saw on Saturday. Um, so I'll be interested to see what kind of Florida state team comes out this week uh, in terms of their attitude, because that really does determine the, the rest of the course of the season, because they should win most of the games on their schedule that is left. At least the Florida state yeah. team that we have seen, you know, not last week, but the in previous weeks. Yeah. I think that, um, the Louisville game, not excusing it or minimizing it. I'm, I'm still. I, I think we said going into it. You know, you said, "Do I want to revise my prediction and what, what is my record that I'm going to go with?" And I said, between five and six games. I think if they can beat Louisville and then beat Pitt, they've got a chance to get to six. If they lose to one of those two teams, it'll probably stay at five, right? And if they lose to Pitt, if they go zero and two, it'll probably be four, right? Like I think they'll win two out of three between Virginia, NC State, and Duke. Um, so if you win this, I think you can still get to five and six. Obviously, an outside shot at running the table minus Clemson and getting to six and five. Um, I think what will help them is nobody for the rest of the year minus Clemson, nobody's offense is is going to be like Louisville's, right? So Pitt doesn't play that kind of offense. Uh, ESPN's FPI that I kind of reference – or seem to reference every week, uh, Florida State's chances of beating Pitt improved over the weekend because Florida State wasn't good, but they also didn't lose forty-five to three at sure. home against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, so right. uh, as bad as as bad as Florida State is uh, or was this weekend, uh, Pitt, Pitt looked worse. Looked worse, right? Yeah. So Florida State's chances of winning that game actually improved. I think that it helps Florida State to get the bye week this week um, to have two weeks to prepare for Pitt. Um, sure. And, you know, that game's in Tallahassee. I like Florida State to win that game. It's a little later start. Not that I really think the noon kickoff had a lot to do with it, but maybe, again, another little thing in our favor. Uh, we'll get into talking more about the pit game next week. But I, I like Florida State to probably come out and win that game. You know, our strength, we've talked about this a million times, based on other teams that have played and different things. Our strength was Louisville's strength. It was our offense against their offense, and their offense is better, right? Like it's just built to be better um, and has been all year, right? Our offense looked good for a half against um, uh, against North Carolina, but their offense has been better all year, and so we couldn't match their offense. Um, Pittsburgh's strength is not their offense. I don't know that they have a strength after giving up 45 points, um, because, so I don't know that it's necessarily their defense either, but I think – you know, I think that Florida State will be able to outscore Pitt. Obviously, 
weird things happen and they may lose, but I think it's a much different matchup. Again, same thing kind of with NC State. They got blown out by North Carolina. Their quarterback's out. I, I like Florida State to win that one. Uh, Virginia scored 14 points on Miami. I don't think that they're world beaters at all. And at the, you know, we, we, we end with the Duke game and they're one and five. So again, I, I don't think that Florida state could and should win anywhere between two, three, and four of those games. And if they do, I think it'll feel better as much of a setback as the Louisville game feels like at the end of the day, it's still a loss, right? Like if you'd have just held it close, it's a loss. If, if you don't, things certainly snowballed in that game. And I, I think the matchup was really, really tough for FSU. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's kind of like a, where do you go from here? I think the bye week again comes at a really good time and hopefully they can kind of take advantage of it. Um, the other thing, and I hate cop outs because if they'd have beaten Louisville, you, 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 I mean, what we all do in, in, you know, politics and sports and work and everything else, our marriages and everything, you just, you know, say things that you craft narratives to fit the perspective that you want. And if they'd have beaten Louisville, we'd say like, oh man, they really capitalized off of what they learned the week before. And you, that would be the narrative, right? But since they lost, you just cap, you just, you know, craft your narrative to say that progress isn't linear. And so you, uh, say like, you know, two steps forward and two steps back or one step back or just however you want to look at that. Um, you know, because they put it together for one half against Louisville doesn't necessarily mean that now they'll, put it together put it forever, together every forward. single time. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, step back now, but if you can take another step forward against Pitt and get back to three and four, I think you're in a much better situation. If they can win against Pitt and NC state and go into that Clemson game at, at four and four, they're obviously going to take the loss to the Clemson. Loss there, right. But, but you come out of Clemson at four and five and you've got a chance to get to six wins against two teams that aren't very good. You've also got a chance to stay at four and five or go to four and seven, you know? So I think that, you know, I still, I, I think my prediction at this point would be, I mean, it's either going to be four or five wins, right? Like, I don't know. It really depends on what happens with this pit game. If they beat Pitt, I think they get to five wins. If they lose to Pitt, I think that they stay at four. They'll find, you know, they'll find a way to win two of the last three. So um, anyway, so we'll see. It's, it's definitely discouraging, but you know, before the North Carolina game, we kind of, again, kind of both those losses. So, I mean, at this point, you know, a few weeks ago, I think we expected to lose every single game left on the roster or on the schedule. So, you know, I, I'm not that dispre- depressed, you know, it just is what it is. So, uh, thoughts so, there, or you want to move um, on to the better, I, the more exciting I mean, stuff? I think we should, I think we've spent enough time lamenting Florida state's loss. I mean, I, I, I think you're right. It is what it is. They're in the place that they're in because they're rebuilding. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. And even if they get a win or two ahead of schedule, it doesn't, or don't, it really doesn't change the trajectory at this point anyway. Um, as long as you keep the locker room. So, and that's TBD, but I did want to, um, bring something up that we, you and I had not talked about, yet because I just saw it on my timeline. So this is not on our rundown to discuss, but I think pertinent. I saw the other day or yesterday, I guess that um, Wisconsin had multiple quarterbacks test positive for COVID. So they were concerned that they were going to not have their first, second and third string quarterbacks for this week. So they'd have to start their fourth guy. But now I'm seeing that Wisconsin has had nine players test positive for COVID and they are all getting retests today. This is really important though, because there's only a hundred, there's 113 guys on Wisconsin's team. So nine players testing positive is more than 5%. The big tens rule about coming back, uh, 
I've seen this labeled as the backdoor trap, which essentially what I've been saying all along is that the Big Ten doesn't actually want to play football. They just want to appease people that want them to play football. If there is truly nine people that that test positive again today, that it would be over 5%. And Wisconsin has to shut their football program down for 21 days, the entire program. Um, so that way may literally be happening just after they finished week one. Um, so we should know later today what those positives are, but they're the rules that the big 10 set up are different than any other conference. They are much more stringent. I honest to God, think that they're in they're place. Much more so asinine. Season, there are, they're yeah. asinine. If the CDC is now saying 10 days of quarantine and they're saying they're making their players do 21, it's just arbitrary. There is no rhyme or reason to that. But now with them having said that if you get over 5% of your players just from your program that tests positive, the entire program has to shut down. That's very few players when you're talking about probably at a max 115 guys, including your 85 walk-ons, I mean, excuse me, your 85 scholarship and your walk-on players for, for Wisconsin, it's 113. There's just, uh, there's very little room for, for error there. And it's going to be interesting, but it appears if these tests were actually accurate, that Wisconsin's going to have to shut their program down for the next three weeks. And when you're only talking about a season where you only play, what what do they play? Eight games. Um, Mm -hmm. You miss three of them. I, I don't know that that's enough of a resume for us to know what you're worth. Yeah. And it really is unfortunate too, because, um, I don't know if you caught any of the Wisconsin game, but Graham Mertz was fantastic in that game. I think he went 20 for 21, had five touchdowns. They were playing Illinois, granted, you know, so I, I understand that. But, you know, Jameis went 21 for 23 against Pitt, his first game. So it was kind of like that same. I mean, Pitt wasn't great then either, you know, but if you go 20 for 21, I don't care who you're playing. Like, that's really impressive. And five touchdowns is really impressive, especially in your first game when you've been off for however long and you haven't been prior. And so, um, it, it, you know, Wisconsin sitting at number nine right now, they don't play, uh, Ohio state in the regular season. They play Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan, uh, Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana, and Iowa. Um, not necessarily saying that I expect Wisconsin to run the table, but they're going to be favored in every single one of those games, except for probably the Michigan game. And so it kind of stinks if we don't get, you know, they're probably the one roadblock for Ohio state to make the playoff. Sure. Right. And if they take three weeks off, uh, I don't even know what you do with them. Right. So what if they take right. the three weeks off, don't play Nebraska, Purdue and Michigan, and then they do play Northwestern, Minnesota, Iowa, and Indiana, and they go five and zero. Oh. Do they get to play Ohio State, or does the team that went seven and one in their side right, of the thing get right. to go? Well, like, what's, the the way that they they set up their schedule, there is no room to make up any of these games. So it's not like you know these other conferences that padded their schedule with openings on purpose. It it doesn't leave any room for error, and I I honestly don't know what you do. And I that is that is why I think the Big Ten doesn't actually want to play football because they didn't give themselves any room to solve a problem like this should it arise. And it looks like it's already arisen. Yeah. And they really set, they set the teams up for failure because of the way they lay out the schedule. It'd be like you telling your girls, like go upstairs and, and put, uh, put on your Elmo costume and they're not being an Elmo costume, like in the room, right? Like just, well, go do it. And if you don't, you're in trouble. Like that's literally like be, (laughs) be perfect for all these weeks. Uh, and, 
otherwise we're going to basically cancel the season. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly how well, it, how it the goes 5% down. The 5% rule is just asinine. When you're thinking about these guys being in just your player personnel groups, right? Um, your, your position group meetings and stuff, something, one person gets COVID like you saw in their QB room. If three of the four guys come down with it, it's not actually surprising because of how small these meeting rooms are. So the fact that, you know, that's literally what, 3%, 2.5% of their entire team just sitting right there in the meeting room, it, it's, it is setting yourself up for failure, which again is why I think they didn't want to play football. They just wanted to appease people. They just wanted to look like yeah. they tried, but they made this, this standard so stringent and so different from the rest of the college football world. And how does it look if, let's see, this happens to multiple Big Ten teams, right? How does it look if that happens to them, but the rest of the college football world makes it through the season relatively unscathed? Because at this point, we're halfway through. And I mean, we've had teams have to reschedule a game or two, move some things around. But so far, everything's okay. I mean, even a team like Florida, who had 26 positives over the last couple of weeks, every single person that got it either had no symptoms or very minimal symptoms. And now they're going to all be back on the field or most of them anyway, the team is going to be back on the field this weekend. So this is, uh, there are ways to maneuver around this, but the Big Ten is not prepared for that to be the case. Yeah, again, just completely ridiculous. Um, I think that's a pretty good, and I, and we'll see what happens. But I mean, I'd like to see Wisconsin keep playing. I'd like to see that quarterback who looked really good continue to get to play. Um, I do think that's a good transition. Another team that doesn't have any room for error now is UF, right? Like there is no no room for error any longer. Um, Does that worry a little bit? I mean, do you think that they've gotten some things fixed or do you just kind of like cross your fingers and hope that hope that nothing else happens, right? (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's it is hard because that is there is no room for error anymore. We said this last week. It scares me to have the bye week and the week at the end of the season already gone because there's so much left to the schedule left to, you know, left to be played. Um, there, there's no wiggle room, but, and I don't want to say that Florida wasn't taking COVID seriously because I do believe that they were taking it seriously, but my assumption is at this point, they're going to all be basically locked down, you know, because they maybe, know maybe, maybe Todd Grantham was one in charge of it. And there was really just no defense for this COVID strike. <laughs> but, um, all right, I gotta go. <laughs> um, so, oh, you're so funny. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't like, I don't like this for a lot of reasons. I don't like it because there's no wiggle room. I don't like it because I think to stop everything for two weeks in the middle of the season can't be good for your team. Um, I don't like that nobody's been in the gym. I don't like that we're out of football shape. There's a lot of issues with this. That being said, I'm excited that they get to resume. And I think that this is where we're going to see what kind of players Florida's team is made out of, what kind of coaching staff Florida really has, because this is a major obstacle to overcome. They're not going to be the only ones in the season that has to overcome something like this. So I'm not saying Florida's unique, um, but you know, it's a problem. It's, it's an obstacle. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see what kind of team we see against Missouri. I'm at least glad that the team that Florida gets to come out against after two weeks off without having really even, you know, any contact with each other is Missouri as opposed to Georgia or LSU or whatever. I mean, I, I hope at least if Florida can't come out of this and beat Missouri, there's not a whole lot of teams they could have come out of this and beaten. Um, but 
you know, it, it, it does change the outlook of the season on me. I think for me, I think going into the season, it was potential loss to Georgia and that's it. There's already a loss to Texas A&M. And now there's this giant gap that happened in the middle of the, of the schedule that could really alter the path going forward. And, and it'll be interesting to see if Florida rebounds. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. Um, Let's talk about that Missouri game in just a second, but I want to ask you this. Why did the Georgia-Kentucky game get moved? Did they just not think it was fair for Georgia to get the bye before the cocktail party and Florida I'm not? Honestly, like there was, there was no, sure. there was no, There was no breakout for either team. Neither team had a game canceled. There was never a lot. So it, it seems to me like, I don't know if this is Dan politicking or what happened, but like it seemed to me like they just moved it for the hell of it. So like, there was neither team had an outbreak, right? And so I think it just seemed like it was we're gonna. And if somebody's listening in and can tweet us and tell so us that this wasn't the case, I, I can tell you why it is. I'm looking it up right now. So Kentucky was actually supposed to play Missouri this weekend. Okay, Kentucky um, was supposed on, to play Missouri on October 31st this weekend. Oh, tomorrow or like so okay, that game was rescheduled for last week. So that Florida, game. yes, for the 24th, so okay. that Florida could play Missouri this week. And that leaves Georgia to play Kentucky this week. So they flipped their, okay, so it kind of worked out conveniently that everyone, correct. all of these teams kind of play each other it these was, three weeks. Correct. Kentucky and Georgia were supposed to play last week, but they had a bye. Well, Georgia ended up with a bye so that they could move the Kentucky-Missouri game last week so that Florida could play Missouri this week. That makes sense. So I think that helps Florida. I mean, I, I think I do too. I mean, I'd I rather think, Georgia not have I, a buy and Florida, right. you know, I, I, I think it helps Florida in the sense that Georgia's not getting a buy. I don't think that like, I think that if neither team had a buy, it makes any difference. Like I think it just kind of is a net zero, but if, if Georgia would have had a buy and Florida didn't, then I think that would have been, it would have been a I huge mean, that advantage. That would have been even tougher. But at this sure. point, I think it's just kind of a net zero. Um, the Missouri game is interesting. I, I I really don't see a way that Florida loses. I mean, obviously, wilder things have happened. I mean, Florida's lost to Missouri, and that's been a tricky game in the past. Um, I don't anticipate that. I don't think that that's something that is going to happen. But I'm in glad it's um, in Gainesville and there's no travel required because that is Florida thinks that's where they got their COVID stuff was traveling to Texas. They actually ended up very quietly. They they didn't make a huge deal about it. They ended up quarantining every person that went to Texas out of an abundance of caution. And their contract tracing pointed to to that trip. They did not ever come out and say where specifically they got it. Um, obviously you'd look at, you know, the plane, you look at the hotel where they stayed or, you know, the restaurants that catered their meals, things like that. Um, because Texas A&M hasn't had any massive outbreaks. I don't know that it's fair to necessarily look to the stadium because you would think it would be rampant on both sidelines, but you don't know. I don't know. Um, but I, I'm kind of glad that's at home because we don't at least have to worry about that travel. And I'm glad it's at night. You know, I think, um, I don't think Florida plays well in noon games. I've never been a noon game fan. I don't think it's a good excuse, but I just think they don't play well during it. Um, And the other thing that I think will be interesting is Florida is going to be the healthiest that they've been since the summer. Um, And that is, is kind of advantageous. They're supposedly getting a lot of defensive players back that have yet to play this season. And Lord knows Florida needs all the help they can get 
on the defensive side of the ball. So that is a positive that's coming out of this. Yeah, I think you'll have more players available. The devil's advocates side of that is the fact that you had to take two weeks off in the middle of the season. And, sure. And, yeah. You know, Which I mean, we talked about that a minute ago. I think that's a yeah. huge, I think that's a huge disadvantage, but I like the idea at least of getting these players back. That's the one positive that has come from this is that the two games that are re- being rescheduled, these players now in theory will be available for as long as they obviously stay healthy. Um, so that's a positive. Got to find. So I like, I like Florida to win this game. I I don't know that, and we'll get to like the the spread and everything later. But I think I'm gonna. I mean, I'll just give you mine now. I, I think I'm gonna take Missouri to take the to to cover the spread. Um, it's like 15 and a half, and Missouri has not looked terrible, right? Like they right they played Alabama. Granted, week one better than most teams have. Um, they did lose to Tennessee in kind of a weird game, but then they scored 45 on LSU and won that game. And then kind of in a quick flip around, they they did beat Kentucky and hold them down pretty well. Not that Kentucky's great. Um, Missouri is actually giving up less yards a game than Florida. Missouri gives up 365, one for every day of the year, I guess. Um, but... They give up 365 yards a game, and Florida gives up 495. And then the offenses are fairly comparable as far as yardage goes. Florida gains about 460 yards a game, and Missouri's at 420. So, you know, half the field shorter a game. So I think that Missouri can and will play them fairly decently. Missouri runs the ball well at 150 yards a game. Um, but I, I just think that at the end of the day, Florida is going to be too much. I think you could see Florida's offense start a little slower than it has. Pretty much every game this year, Florida's offense has just come out absolutely firing and yeah. been really, really good. I think that with the time off, you could see Florida's offense come out uh, a little bit uh, slower than normal. I don't think the defense will be great just because the defense isn't great. And I think Florida wins something like 35 to – you know, 21 or something like that. Like the game's never really in I'll doubt, take that. Yeah. but, but they keep it, you know, they end up covering the spread, whether that's kind of a late score or whatever. I, I think that it's 15 and a half is a lot of points and, and Florida could easily cover it too. If the defense shows up at all, if the defense doesn't show up. The game could be weird late and who knows what could happen. You know, it's a, it's and a it's Halloween game, night, so they're all kind of spooky weird. on those nights, right? 7.30, yeah. I, I, I say, will say the other thing is Florida's wearing throwback jerseys. They're um, they're wearing or throwbacks to the 1960s. Um, this The helmets have been released on the internet this weekend, um, or excuse me, this week. I am not a huge fan of switching up the uniforms. I know that the reason we do it is because recruits are. I've listened to Dan Mullen talk about this at Gator Gatherings and stuff, and he essentially says – Basically, recruits love this stuff, so we're going to keep doing it. Uh, For me, I think if your team is not really, really good at compartmentalizing mentally, um, it can be a distraction. And I don't know. I think this Florida team has had enough distractions. And I know that there's going to be people that are like, it's a uniform. It doesn't matter. And I know at the end of the day, it's not something that you can blame a win or a loss on. And I'm not suggesting that. I just don't like any additional distractions. And your team missing two weeks because of a, you know, a virus that has ravaged through your team is 
is a distraction enough, but it's homecoming. They've, they're pulling these out. Um, so that always makes me nervous. You definitely sound very get off my lawnish with the, with these uniform takes. Um, <laughs> I, I know. Listen, and has, again, I totally get I like, recruits like it and whatever. That's fine. I just am a traditionalist. Well, recruits like it, you know, the kids on the team like it, you know, I mean, you're, God, I remember the ones when, that, when Eric played, they thought they're throw, they're, when they got to wear throwback stuff, they just thought it was the coolest thing. There's this Jersey they wore that oh, Nike made them. They wore against Georgia so very, one year. One sleeve was orange. One sleeve was blue. I'm pretty sure it's upstairs. Eric ran a, ran a fake in that game, uh, and got the first not down. Even the Halloween yet. We're not even to Halloween yet, and you already sound like Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, well, listen, I, listen, I'm Cindy Lou Who at Christmas. I just, I don't know. It's just, just not, not my favorite. Not with uniforms. Not it's my favorite. Not with uniforms. No, not with uniforms. Um, not my favorite. So, yeah, I like the I like the uh, alternate uniform type stuff. And here's the thing: if you just would wear them all the time, like just always change it up, like always be doing something like an Oregon or different. something. Yeah, then then it would never matter, then it wouldn't right? Be a like thing, then it's just right? like yeah, all the time. Like do one day do like do they ever do? You know what? I, I like the all white uniforms. Those are the best ones. They do the all white uh, a lot that you guys have. Yeah, I feel like that happens once a year or every other year or something like that. Um, they should also. Is there a helmet that has Albert on the side of it? The old school Albert. That would be a cool. Um, not that I have. Right, I need Scott Strickland to get on this. Um, so this that's one's an a throwback suggestion. to Spurrier, um, this, this helmet. We do have, I mean, we have a white helmet. It's just not, it doesn't have the Albert the Alligator on it. We have a couple helmets from alternate helmets that they wore upstairs in our house. You'll have to check out next time you're here. Um, they've done some wild stuff. I know that there's always the rumor about all black. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, they did that army green gator skin. That was terrible. It was I'm horrible. so glad you guys lost oh that God. game because you, that de- you deserve to lose the game. Well, that's the other like thing that. is that we always, <laughs> I feel like very rarely do we win when we wear these stupid things. Although we did win at home homecoming against Alabama in 2006 in throwback jerseys and then uh we did win i want to say it was that same year we wore the it wasn't a throwback jersey it was just an alternate uniform that nike designed for i want to say like four or five teams we won against georgia so uh, i mean i don't know i'm just not a fan um speaking of not a fan uh lane kiffin is not a fan of math it appears um but <laughs> can i tell you first that, of all lane kiffin is so good for college football Yes, absolutely. Before we get into the fact that he doesn't know how to count, uh, the SEC is an absolute clown show to, at the same time, well, no, from a conference perspective in general, living okay. in these minds, to, in the same release, <laughs> announce that you're fining Lane Kiffin for saying that the refs or that replay got it wrong and admit that and replay got it wrong. That replay got it wrong. Nah, you are an, that's an absolute clown show of a situation. Like at least wait a few days to say that replay got it wrong. Like a few days later, but like, I get it. I, I get, no, I don't get it. We're all held to a standard in everything that we do. And these conferences and the NFL is the same way. You, you can't criticize this or that. And the NBA is the same way. You can't, you can't criticize a call that happened or you get fined. What who do you think you are saying that you know everyone else can be held to this standard of you know wearing a mask on the sideline and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to pay us because we're there all this other stuff 
that a coach can't say like, yeah, the replay clearly got it wrong. And then you even admit that the replay got it wrong. So I am hundred percent team Lane Kiffin on this. And <laughs> Me too. Um, so did, did you see, see the it? video, the Go video ahead. he tweeted with the guy that, that went into the DMV with all that. Like I've seen that before, but did you watch that? Like, no, I that, didn't watch it. The guy that took like 30,000 pennies or something. Into no, DMV but I do. I did see bill. him tweet and say, where can I find 25,000 pennies? And then he kept revising it because he kept getting the number wrong. <laughs> that Which was hilarious. Pennies. Hilarious. We know that Lane Kiffin is not good at math and that's okay. But I, I hope to God he pays the SEC in pennies and I hope to God somebody videos <laughs> because yeah, it, would be it is hilarious. And then he's, he well, that's the, tweeted a picture. That's did you the see video? Uh, did you see the picture he tweeted of his son, uh, Knox, I believe. And he said something about, he's concerned about his college fund now. (laughs) The, uh, that's the video he tweeted was a guy that like took 30,000 pennies or something into the DMV to, to pay his or into like his local tax office to pay something. I don't know. It was horrible, but, um, yeah, no, Lane Kiffin is amazing and hilarious and, you know, yeah, I hope he pays the fine in all pennies because it'd be even better. It's, it is. It's even better. Um, did you watch the – well, we talked about it. You watched the end of the Penn State-Indiana game. How much – so how much does it bother you that they say that a kid should uh, dive down at the one-yard line and, and not score the touchdown there? Like I understand the strategy, but just like as a traditionalist that hates everything fun and uniforms and stuff like that, do you, uh, does that bother you yes. to take a dive there? Yes. Here's it's- what I have a bigger problem with than, well, tell me why, why does this bother you? Like that's the right play is to fall down to the five, take one knee and the game's over. I, I, I get it. Listen, I get what the right move there is. I just think, how do you ask the kid not to score? You literally tell him on the sideline, if you get a wide open shot at the end zone, fall down. <laughs> That's how you ask him. Do you want to win the game or do you want to score? Yeah. It's like in the NBA, if there's, it, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like if you're playing a basketball game and there are 15 seconds left and you're up by two or you're up by one dribbling the ball out, do you take a layup? Or, now, obviously they're going to foul there, but like if you're running the clock out in basketball, you don't just go take a layup because then the other team has a chance to hit a three right you just dribble it out and so it's the same concept yeah well did you watch the very end the frame by frame yeah he was down it was out of bounds i just don't think they had enough to overturn it i the ball clearly hits the ground before it hits yeah the pile yeah um but what an effort i mean that was fantastic oh, yeah. here's here's the bigger problem that i have with um that not going down there is you're up by one point, right? You scored a touchdown to go up by eight or to go up by seven. You should absolutely go for two there every single time. The risk reward is a hundred to zero. If you go for two and get it, the game's over. If you go for two and miss it, the other team's just going to kick the extra point and go to overtime anyway. Right. So the fact that, so the, the loss is not on the kid that didn't fall down at the five-yard line or the one-yard line or whatever. Right. The loss is on James Franklin, and the loss is on every other coach. Oh, that was a that coaching. In that situation, yeah. Yeah, that in that situation does not go for two. You absolutely go sure. for two there every single time. Well, the craziest and- part about that is that they literally have formulas to tell you exactly what you do. You know what the formula told them there. 
Yeah, they told him absolutely. to go for two for sure. But I mean, every every time a coach or 90% of the time when a coach goes for two or they go for one, it's because they've literally looked at a chart that they have that tells them exactly what the right play statistically is there. Most of these coaches don't come up with this stuff on the fly. It's literally in a chart in his hand and he picked against it. I feel like – so – I agree with you. There is a chart. I feel like on that situation though, no one ever goes for two for the win there. Like they just go for one. They say like, yeah, let's go up. And so I don't know if the chart just says to go for one or what to get up by eight, but nobody ever goes for two there. And it's infuriating because again, it's the wrong call. The right call is to go for two and the game will be over. So uh, it's frustrating to see that, you know, um, annoying, but you know, it is what it is. Um, So did you, uh, speaking of things that really make me mad as a college football traditionalist, did you see that Ryan day came out and apologized to Scott Frost and Nebraska, um, for scoring a late touchdown? I didn't see the late touchdown, and I also did not see the apology. So How the late score in the game ended was up being like- 52-17, right? And there was 18 seconds to go, and Ohio State co- scored. However, freshman backup quarterback who was in, he ran it in himself from the two-yard line and scores. And then Ryan Day says he's really sorry. He should have told his quarterback just to take a knee. Um, he, you know, he feels bad. A freshman quarterback, so this kid's never played a game before, he gets in. You're telling me you should put him in that game and then tell him to take a knee? You don't want him to score. Stop him from scoring. Yeah, Ryan Day's full of crap here. Do you think the freshman quarterback was the one out there calling his own plays? I mean, of like James Winston, James no. Winston didn't call his own plays no. in and college. Ryan Day <laughs> didn't say that, so that the quarterback to... called his, his own play. I mean, yeah. clearly if, Ryan Day called you, it. Right. So if you want him to take a knee, you should have called a knee. You should call him right. kneel down. If you right. call him kneel down, blame his quarterback. He said he made the wrong call, but okay. I don't okay. think he I made the it. wrong call. That's this is ridiculous. You're talking about college football. This isn't Justin Fields isn't still in the game. If he's in the game, sure, tell him to take a knee with 18 seconds to go. But this is crap. You're putting in a kid who's never played before. He's pumped to have the Ohio State uniform on. He can't believe he's actually on the was field it, against Nebraska. Was it uniform. Was, was it a throwback what? uniform? It was, was not a throwback Aaron uniform, Aaron. so I was all on board for it. And you're telling me you're going to tell that 18-year-old kid, just go in and take a knee. Don't do anything. He sees the open field and he scores. Like, please, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. This is a year that this this time doesn't count for these guys. Get them in. Get them as much experience as possible. Don't tell me that you can put in backups and then tell them not to do their job. How do they grow as players and use this year to their advantage if they can't actually play the game to their fullest ability? Yeah, I mean, Florida State got scored on very late. Steve Spurrier um, used to again, say, if you want me to stop scoring, you better figure out how to stop me. Please. Well, Florida State got scored on by the backups, right? Like the backups came in and went down the field and scored. And that was that, you know? Yes. Like, so, yeah, no, I don't. Uh, um, I just think it's absurd, and I think it's absurd was, that he felt was, the need to apologize. And I, 
And I didn't feel bad. I wasn't mad at Louisville. I was mad at our defense. If you, well, for now, you're going to stop the backups. Do you think you know? that Scott Frost was really mad about that? And if Scott Frost is mad about that, I'm sorry, Nebraska. Maybe you should was, reevaluate your head coach because he's a wuss. Well, he was mad. I'm sure he was mad about his defense not being able to get a stop. Sure, Just like I was mad exactly. about FSU not being able to get a stop exactly. at the end. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. This, no, I. It's horse crap. Like this I don't, just really, really you know. gets under my skin. Uh, it's, Whew, it I've never me heard you weekend. this hot before. Like because I'm, it's ridiculous. I might not be able to it see is. you for three weeks with how hot you are. <laughs> it's <laughs> just off. I can it's feel the just anger. ridiculous. Things like this drive me nuts. I don't know why we feel the need to apologize. Listen, your player does something disrespectful apologize for it. You're, you know what I mean? You, you let them plant their flag at midfield and then you apologize for it later. Whatever. I'm cool with flags being planted, but if you feel the need to walk that back, you do you don't apologize for a backup player scoring for doing their job. Like, please. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, (sighs) all right, I'll get off that soapbox now. So speaking of, uh, no coach of mine, I apologize. Speaking of Ohio State, yes. Um, are they in your playoff right now? Is it Clemson, yeah. Alabama, and Ohio State? Okay, mm-hmm. one game in, one and zero. Um, they're in. Uh, here's the top ten right now: Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. This is the AP, so I know the coaches can can vary just a little bit. But Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, pretty solid one through three. Uh, four is Notre Dame. Five is Georgia. Six is Notre Dame is five and zero. Oh. They've got a matchup with Clemson coming up. I think they're going to win all their games minus that Clemson game, and then we'll see how they look in that Clemson game to find mm-hmm. out a little bit more about them. Georgia's three and one um, at number five. Oklahoma State is four and zero oh at number six. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati is four and zero oh at number seven, and then you've got A and M at three and one. You've got Wisconsin at one and zero, oh, and Florida rounds out the top ten at two and one. After that, you've got BYU, Miami, Michigan, Oregon, North Carolina. All of those teams theoretically could play themselves into the playoff. Uh, you know, maybe with the exception of Brigham Young. Like if if Miami beats Clemson and then, um, I'm sorry, they've already lost to Clemson. If Miami beats Clemson in the ACC championship, I mean, theoretically they could go. But you probably just look at your top ten. So who who's in your playoff right now? So I mean, do, you, do you have their name there? Um, I don't. I would have if I looking at if the season ended today. I have Oklahoma State in. Okay. okay? Um, I think if Oklahoma State runs the table, I don't know how you don't put a Big Twelve team in there. And I, I'm I'm working under the assumption that Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State also run the table. Now, listen, the odds that we have four teams that run the table are insanely low that that has i that hasn't happened any year that we've had a playoff that we've had four undefeated teams in there so the odds of that had three no it's unlikely to happen i mean uh, completely but if it were to happen you put oklahoma state in no question there i think you're more likely to be looking at an undefeated clemson an undefeated alabama an undefeated ohio state and then I think you're likely to be looking at a one loss Notre Dame, a one or two loss Georgia, a one or two loss Oklahoma State. I think I I don't I think Cincinnati's a step below. I think Texas A&M drops another game. 
I don't think we've seen enough from Wisconsin. And if they're missing the next three, then they've kind of disqualified themselves. If Georgia's up there, then in my book, that means Florida isn't. Because I think there's only one of those two teams. Um, All things being equal, my guess is that the SEC team gets in. But it would depend on who Oklahoma State's loss is to and how bad and when too. Because let's say they drop a game next week, run the table, win the conference. I think you'd probably have a hard time keeping one lost conference champion Big 12 team out in favor of a runner-up SEC team. Well, yeah, because at best, I'll tell you I'll tell you where it's going to get interesting is at best if we assume Alabama runs so the table. If Alabama right, wins the SEC championship game, this is is totally moot. Well, but maybe not because I know you just said you think A&M drops a game and they very well may. But, but if they win the table and don't bad. go to the SEC championship yeah. game, it's, it's I mean, interesting. it's definitely now, they interesting. Got, they got blown out, and they're number eight right now, right? But early, they play Arkansas. right? Well, halfway through, right? Well, No, um, I'm saying they want, they lost early is what I'm saying. So that is helpful lost, to them. Lost they very lost, early. Yeah. Uh, upset a good Florida team. Um, and their schedule remaining isn't very good. Now, I've looked at this. Nobody's schedule in the SEC remaining is very good because the SEC only, for the first time in a long time, has four ranked teams. Now, they're all ranked really high. They're all in the top 10, but you're not going to be getting This is probably an unpopular opinion, but I actually think the SEC looks the way that it does ranking-wise because everybody's actually better than they normally are. I actually think we're seeing more competition and better teams from the bottom half of the conference than we usually do, as opposed to the fact that the SEC is just not very good this year. I think it's actually the opposite. I mean, we'll see how the season plays out. I think the interesting thing that would be if, if let's say, I want to back up before before you go on that. I, I, I'm shocking here, but I disagree with that, that we see more good teams. I think that the teams that are typically good in the SEC are down. Now I think that the teams that are typically bad are have risen their level a little bit. So there's just more conference parity in general. Correct. I I don't think that like Ole Miss and Arkansas and, and those teams have improved slightly, but I think what's more the case or what's added in there is that Arkansas, I'm sorry, is that LSU is not very good this year. And Auburn, who is typically ranked fairly high, always hovering around 15, is not very good this year. And so, like, I think you've got your teams that are typically really, really good. I mean, you're Alabama and Georgia and Florida. Nothing has changed there, right? Like, they're all right around where you would expect them to be. A&M's risen a little bit, but then you're, 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 other bell cows. It's honestly, it's mainly LSU. Auburn. I feel like Auburn has been hovering around this same spot for the last couple of years. Sometimes they look really good and we think that they're a top 10 team, which they have been ranked in at times this year. And then sometimes they, uh, you know, lose a game that they shouldn't. I think that I think Auburn's been hovering around sixth in the conference for a couple of years. I don't know that I think this year is is many is very different. Maybe their ranking looks different within the whole college football world, but I don't know that their ranking within the conference itself is actually very different this season. Yeah. Auburn could easily be like 
two and four or one and five. Oh, they should like, have, there's two saved. games they should have lost. Yeah. I mean, they've I'm gotten sure. saved twice. But, and I mean, so, that happens to teams, right? I mean, there's, there's lots of teams that we can look at the schedule and say, <laughs> you got lucky on X, Y, Z play. Um, I, the, yeah, but the, I think you're top, I think your top, I mean, your top three or four teams, your Alabama, A&M, Georgia, and Florida are good top 10 teams, great teams, however you want to label that. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is just mediocre. Yeah. Like, Nobody I just is. think there's there's less bad teams this year. I think the top is relatively the same, but I do think that Arkansas and Ole Miss have made, I don't think I would call it a small step. I think they've taken pretty big steps. That doesn't make them good overall football teams or, you know, the top 10, top 15 programs at the moment, but I still think that they are much better than they were, not just a little bit better than they were. They yeah, just had a long, improved. a lot of room for improvement. So, right. but they can you know, take a massive step and still be like below to, average, uh, right? The, like, yeah, for sure. Um, back to the playoff scenario. So, I think the only there's two scenarios where two SEC teams get in, in my opinion. I think the first one is like you said, um, you're looking at a, a a Texas A&M that runs the table from here on out, but then obviously doesn't go because Alabama is undefeated. And so then they can kind of backdoor their way in by not playing in the SEC championship. The other way is that either Georgia or Florida runs the table from here on out and beats Alabama in the conference championship. Not saying that's likely close. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that's likely, but that is a possibility as well. And if it's a close game, which I can't imagine either one of those teams blowing them out. So it would, would, I think for either one of them to win, it would have to be a close game anyway. Um, there is a scenario where Alabama still goes. Um, those are the two ways that I see as long as everything else plays out relatively uneventfully. Yeah. And we talked about that too. That'll happen. It's 2020. We've talked about that too with the ACC. I mean, Miami and Notre Dame still sitting at, at one and zero losses. I don't know who will eventually have to go play Clemson again that second time. Um, but whoever it is, I, I'd rather just be the team that doesn't have to go play them again. Because if Notre Dame uh, loses to Clemson by three, right? And it'd probably be better for Notre Dame to make this argument because Clemson, I'm sorry, Miami just got blasted by them. But if Notre Dame loses to Clemson by three and wins the rest of their games, and then you're looking at Miami getting the rematch against Clemson, Clemson wins that one, and Notre Dame is sitting at 10 and one, um, they're going to have an argument just like everybody else, right? Are you going with. Notre Dame that had a 10 and one record and lost to Clemson by three, or are you going with Texas A&M who has a nine and one record and lost to Alabama by 40? Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know yeah. who, who's more impressive in that situation. Again, the other scenario is what does the big 12 do? What does the PAC 12 do when they start? Um, you know, so there's a lot, I mean, it's so fascinating, but again, it always kind of works itself out and, well, that's the thing is that we always people. discuss this every single year. We do, oh, this is going to be the year that there's anarchy and there's chaos. And honestly, more years than not, it literally works itself out. And it is hard to argue if you're sitting at four, five, or six. It's it's pretty hard to have like, you know, a ridiculously strong argument for that fourth spot, honestly. Yeah, I mean – you may feel like you deserve that fourth spot, but you you don't necessarily deserve you, to compete for a championship. Right. right. Uh, the outside wild card. I mean, I had this written down. Cincinnati sitting at seven. 
Um, they've not got an incredibly difficult schedule left. Uh, but what I will say is that the teams in front of them are probably all going to beat each other up. Clemson and Notre Dame play. Alabama plays Georgia. Um, Oklahoma State, I, I don't know that I see Oklahoma State going undefeated. They still have to play Texas this week. They play Oklahoma in a couple of weeks, and then they have a Big 12 championship as well. Um, as you know, somebody who likes Oklahoma State, as somebody who likes Mike Gundy, I still don't think they go undefeated. And so it'll be interesting to see if Cincinnati could um, you know, get that upset or get that I'm sorry, not upset, get that last spot. Um, I'm telling you sitting at seven right now with like six or seven weeks to go is the highest that we've ever seen, uh, a team be for it. So I think that'll be really interesting to see if they can kind of get in. Obviously they have to win out. They couldn't do it without winning out. They're not going right. to get the benefit of the doubt in anything, but, um, yeah, I think it'd, How it'd, much be, would that it'd be fun. upset UCF fans. You know, I think they'd be pretty pissed about it. Um, so I'm all for it. I think that that would be a lot of fun to get them in. Um, they do have to beat UCF. I was going to say UCF can, can control this here yeah, on November they 21st. Memphis, they play Memphis this weekend at home. They play Houston the week after. They have East Carolina, UCF, Temple, and Tulsa. I mean, they should honestly win all of those games. And then the UCF one is on the road. That'll be a tough one. Maybe we should go see that um, and wear our Cincinnati stuff. But yeah, I think that... If they run the table, I think it'll be pretty interesting to see what happens. They'll probably yeah. end up getting screwed and being like, "Oh, team. they'll end up getting screwed for sure." But I'm here to watch the ride. Uh, they probably also won't win out. Like they probably will use lose to UCF. Um, Cincinnati's a team that beat them last year. The weekend I was in Gainesville, so that had to be the Auburn weekend. Um, and when Cincinnati beat them. They had the little video that was yes. the intro to the Disney, Disney movies, yes. and it said, "You hate." see it um which was just fantastically one of the best social media things i've ever seen of any team in any ucf fans were so pissed which made it that much better fantastic um so yeah so we'll see um all right let's get into these picks from last week you and i well hover around 500 you were on the wrong side of 500 and i was on the right side of it so it's um, your florida state always screwing me Story of my life for the last four years. Uh, Florida State did not cover against Louisville. We both missed that. Uh, North Carolina did cover against NC State. We both hit it. Um, Iowa State covered the three and a half points that Oklahoma State was favored by, by half a point. Uh, Oklahoma State won by three. That was a three and a half point spread. So I lost that by half a point. Um, Notre Dame covered in – so you hit that uh, Iowa State one. Notre Dame ended up covering the spread just barely by uh, 30 points. And uh, so I got that one. We both picked Bama. That was an easy one. We both missed Minnesota. Michigan really looked good. I thought Minnesota would give them a little more, and Michigan never really had that. The game was never really in doubt. We both missed that one. And then uh, UVA got a backdoor touchdown. The game was never in doubt, but UVA scored late and was able to – Covered the eleven and a half point spread, so you went three and seven, three four seven on the week. I went four for seven, which means our yearly total. I am one game away from five hundred at twenty two and twenty three, and you are uh, you're seventeen for forty five. So whatever the math is on that, seventeen for seventeen and twenty eight. You have some work to do. You need to get a clean sweep this weekend 
and you'll be in a good position. If we have one, two, three. That's, I'm four, at thirty percent, by the way. Um, we have one, two, three, four, you're, five, six, seven did games. Did you say you're twenty-eight or forty-five? No, I'm twenty-two of forty-five. So I'm twenty-two and twenty-three. Okay, so you're so at, just like you're at forty-nine percent. I'm at thirty-eight. Yeah, so percent. you're at forty-nine percent. If I can go four and three this week, if I can win four of the seven, I'll get back to 500, right? So there you go. if you go seven for seven, you'll be 24 for 52. You'll be a lot closer So to 500. So you need to go seven for seven here. If you go seven for seven, I'll give you a bonus point and you can be even closer. <laughs> Great. Thanks. I'll give you eight. You go for seven. Uh, Cincinnati's a six and a half point favorite versus Memphis. Mm, I'll take Cincinnati. Same. Um, I've already written mine down, so I'm not cheating here. Um, LSU is a three and a half point favorite on the road at Auburn. I have no, no idea this what is the a heck freaking that coin is. flip. Who would like to volunteer to not lose? Yeah. Uh, shit. Um, Watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take LSU. What the heck? I took Auburn. With zero confidence points. There um, you go. Next year we're gonna rank these with confidence points. Like how many? You, oh, like gosh. you get like ten. You get like ten per week, and you can put them all on one, or you can spread them out, or whatever. That I think that'll be fun. It'll be a lot more work for me to do the math on it, but it'll be fun. But if that was the case, I would take zero confidence points on this one. Uh, Louisville is a three and a half point underdog to Virginia Tech. Um, I'll take Louisville. Same. Uh, I'm probably just living off the high from last right. week and they'll probably get blown out, but whatever. Uh, Oklahoma State screwed me with this line last week. They were a three and a half point favorite to Iowa State. They are a three and a half point favorite against Texas this week. I know. I was kind of thinking I may go ahead and take Texas. I'm sorry. You cut out. Take who? I, oh, I said, I think I'm going to go ahead and take Texas. Okay. I took Ohio State. Figure they won't screw me two weeks in a row. Ohio State is a 13 and a half point favorite at Penn State. Oh, give me Ohio State. Ohio State me all day. Yeah, I'm the same here until proven otherwise. I'm not betting against Ohio State. Um, UNC is a six and a half point favorite at Virginia. <sighs> give me UNC. I like UNC as well. And then uh, this line has actually dropped. It's like 12 and a half points now. Um, so three Vegas is offering you three free points if you want to bet on Missouri in our um, pick them. Uh, uh, and I think I will. I'll take Missouri plus 15 and a half, um, um, especially since Vegas has dropped that down to 12 and a half. I'm taking, I'm taking Florida. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment here. <laughs> I don't have a choice. The reluctancy, the reluctancy in your voice. Um Seems like you would not be putting. I a lot literally of feel like I need to just one. you know flip, flip a coin for all of these games. What's going to happen today? I don't know. Is there going to be you know locusts? Is there going to be another COVID outbreak? Is there like I, this college football season is wild? Yeah, no, it it really is. But it's been a lot of fun. Uh, the last thing I have, and if you if you have anything before we go, um, that's you know we can get to it. But I think we pretty much covered the last thing that I have that I want to talk about is. Um, the games this weekend suck. Like, I'm not trying to be a complainer. I get it. We're getting college football. Like, I I enjoy it. But the ranked matchups this weekend are terrible. Boston College, Clemson, oh, blowout, Georgia, great. Kentucky. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan State, that's a 24 and a half point spread. The Memphis-Cincinnati game is 
like decent, you know, but that's a nooner. So, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see the, um, like Iowa state, Kansas, Notre Dame, Georgia tech, Wisconsin, Nebraska, who even knows if they're playing that one, um, Indiana Rutgers, I guess the Texas, Oklahoma state game's not terrible. And then, you know, we get Florida, Missouri, um, at night and Florida will probably end up keeping that closer than they should have. And so maybe that one will be kind of fun. Although not a ranked matchup is always intriguing. That's going to be terrible football on both sides of the ball. (laughs) (laughs) I I like, uh, I mean, I like games that are exciting and, and that game probably will be exciting. But you're also mixing in the fact that it is truly just going to be terrible football. Like it is going oh, to be probably. Bad. Um, which team wants to lose this game more was a great way to put it. Um, Auburn has been gifted two games, and so who knows? They're they're terrible. Uh, LSU's terrible. Um, LSU's playing without their quarterback, if I remember seeing that correctly. And so, um, you know, I don't know. But yeah, so it'll be a great day to trick or treat. But then next week it gets fun. I know we've got a birthday party next week. We've got some things going on. You schedule the birthday party right in the middle of the game. I don't know who does I, this, I but apparently the you party starting a half an hour before the game so that we could all watch the game during the birthday party. Oh this my was purposeful. God. It's not like you're going to the birthday party instead of the football game. You're going to watch the football game that happens to have a birthday party going on around it. Um. I've got to go to a child, a, a two one year olds birthday party instead of watching the cocktail party. I'm just no, not instead. I'm, in addition to, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Next week's games are really good though. Oklahoma State, Kansas State is a four and zero versus four and one. Michigan, Indiana is two top twenty teams. Um, you guys play Clemson, Notre Dame is that night. Um, Florida State plays Pittsburgh. Obviously, that game sucks, but I'm excited to see it. Liberty plays. Okay, so here Liberty is six and zero. One of only two teams um, that is six and zero in the country. It's them in Clemson. Liberty plays Virginia Tech that day. Um, so that's kind of an interesting one to see. Virginia Tech is a pretty big favorite in that, just because of you know the difference in ACC and an independent team, but. Liberty plays Virginia Tech that day, so I'm excited. So next week gets really, really fun. But this week we'll just trick or treat and hope the Rays. Well, next week's exciting too because we have college football on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and on Saturday. Yeah, Miami plays that Friday night game, which you know can always kind of get weird when you have to play Friday night. So. For sure. And actually BYU Boise State, which is a ranked matchup, is that Friday night as well. I mean, the Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday games are not awesome games, but there SMU plays temple on Thursday night. Um, but listen, I'm any day that there's an, adi- any week, there's an additional day with football on. I'm pumped. I'm yeah, I'm all for it, especially because all the other sports are ending, right? Like the world series will be over either tonight or tomorrow. Baseball's gone. I'm tomorrow. sorry. Basketball's gone. Um, hockey's gone. So yeah, give me football every day of the week. It yeah. basically is right. Cause then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, um, yeah, so, NFL. so next week we have Tuesday. no football on Tuesday, and that's it. Well, we got other things going on Tuesday, though, so I guess we'll be entertained one way or the other uh, next Tuesday night. Correct. Literally, next <laughs> um, week is going to be a nail biter all out. the way around. There will be some sort of cage match every day. Yeah. Um, do you think the Rays win tonight and force a game seven? I do. Yeah, because I think I'm they hopeful and I want them to, not based on anything yeah. of substance. Uh, what I'll say is I think we win tonight and lose tomorrow in game seven, which 
is better than is not ideal. Yeah, give me hope for one more night, you know. And then you get to game seven, you know. How weird things the end happen, of the like, game two nights ago? Can we talk about that for one second? Were you having a heart attack? I could not sleep oh, for like the night. next two hours afterwards. Yeah, like I stayed up my so my Wild so we had a wedding, a baseball game I've ever I can remember. Yeah, we had a wedding that night. So I got home in like the fourth inning, which is fine because we were losing up until the fifth. And it just kept going back and forth, back and forth. Like every time they'd take a lead, we'd come back. But then it was like the ninth inning. We had two outs, two strikes. You're down to your last, you know, prayer with a kid that hadn't played the whole postseason. And, um, you know, we ended Hometown up. Hometown kid too, which is was, always cool. It was, it was wild to see that walk off. Like it was freaking fantastic. I started going nuts. I mean, like I, and then same way I went and poured some more bourbon and uh, kept watching, kept watching the highlights of it over and over and over and over again. Um, so it was fantastic. It was awesome. It was so cool. Uh, and uh, it, sports are so fun. I just, I don't know. I just think there's nothing like that. There is no, there, there is very little that we can watch that can give you the same kind of feeling that watching, you know, a crazy play at the last second of a world series or the ending to a college football game that changes, you know, sports are awesome. Yeah. The best, um, second having, you know, having and raising children, but yeah, oh, first yeah, is I mean, definitely that's sport. somewhere. But <laughs> the best is actually grooming your children to think that they're as cool, that these sports are as cool as you think they are. That's when you she, really um, want Elena, to parent. The other day she, uh, I was trying to get Elena to like eat something and like maybe 30 minutes before that I had said like, no, 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 I'm watching baseball. Like I'm doing this. And then she's, you know, not listening and not eating what I told her to. And she looks up at me and said, let's go watch baseball. And I was like, mm, that's going to work on me. Okay. Let's do it. You know, yep. like that's fine. Sure. You <laughs> don't have to eat, eat anything. Have some, have, some, have some ice cream. Yeah, exactly. All right. Get out of my head. We got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Same time, same place next week. All right. See ya. Yeah.